0: so things haven't turned out as you hoped. Life took a turn, a bump, a darkened sky. And at times, it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. This season has been tough. And for many of us, things will never be the same. But we are here, breathing. Maybe smiling. Or crying. Or shouting. Or laughing. But we are here feeling. Maybe fighting or cheering or seeking or grieving. We are here living and we are not alone. Our God is here. Our God is with us. And our God Is the God of new creations?
1: Amen. All right. Well, hey, welcome to the bridge. Good morning. Um, Happy 2017. Amen. New year. New year, yeah, it's good. It's good. How many of you made it to midnight last week? Yeah, wow, we got the party crowd in here. They all, they all made it to midnight, man. That's good. I made it to midnight and uh, and then quickly got into bed and went to sleep uh, to start off the new year. But uh, it's it's good, uh, fresh start, new beginnings, um, and we're going to kick off a new sermon series as well called Banner Year, and um, I think you'll pick up on the on the theme as we go through it, Uh, but really, really pleased to have everyone here. If you're joining us online, awesome to have you as well. And uh, we're going to dive right in and spend our time uh, starting, kicking off Banner Year Series this morning. So uh, would you pray with me one more time as we get started? Father God, it is good to be in this place. It is good to gather with these people. It is good to gather in your presence. And Father This morning we ask that as we begin a new year and as we begin a new study that your presence would be here in this place. We trust you and we believe that you are indeed with us and that you are a God of second chances and fresh starts. And so may that be true for each one of us this morning who seeks that. Thank you again, Father, for being in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's a growing segment of people in our country who consider themselves the nuns. The nuns. Now, that's not nuns as in N-U-N-S. It is nuns as in N-O-N-E-S. As in people who consider themselves religiously unaffiliated. They are the nuns. Books are being written about the nuns right now. There's one book in particular called The Rise of the Nuns, and it talks, tells churches, or it talks about how churches can begin to engage the nuns because it's a growing segment of our community and our culture. And basically, nuns means none of the above or nothing in particular, right? Now, it should be somewhat alarming to those of us in the church because the truth of the matter is a lot of the nuns were formerly part of us. A lot of the nuns started out with traditional faith. They were people who grew up, like most people in our country, they grew up with some sense of religious uh, orientation. Their families had some sense of traditional faith values or traditional faith that was going on with him, because only about 9% of Americans say they were raised without religious affiliation. But here we are in 2017, and we have a large and growing number of people who consider themselves part of a group called the nuns. The nuns. Very interesting. Here's a little bit more and perhaps a little bit more alarming information about the nuns. The nuns make up about 23% of the U.S. adult population. And here's the really kind of scary part, especially for me, since this is part of my job. Nuns are primarily concentrated among young adults. About 35% of millennials will consider themselves nuns, and that number is actually growing. Perhaps even scarier is the fact that the nuns median age is actually going down. It used to be 36 or it used to be 38. It has now dropped to 38. So the group called the nuns, the those who are unaffiliated, those who are unbelieving and unbelievers and who perhaps were even formerly believers is actually growing and they're getting younger. That should make us a little bit afraid. They are mostly men. They are largely to a certain extent they are all made up of, they are all agnostic or atheist but not necessarily. That's not necessarily the case. They are not hostile necessarily towards people of faith or traditional church or traditional religion. They're just kind of done with it. Done with God. Done with the church. Done with religion, done with church people, done with the whole thing. <laughs> That's a fun way to start a sermon off, huh? <laughs> Talking about the people who are done with church. The nuns. But let's ask ourselves a question. Or let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way? You ever been there? You ever found yourself unofficially among the ranks of the nun? The nuns, the unaffiliated, the uninterested, or better yet, it may be this way. It may be that once you are dismissed from this place and you exit the doors, you secretly put on your cloak of nunness. You may be a nun in hiding. Again, an N-O-N-E, not an N-U-N-S. <laughs> I'll tell you this. That if you are indeed among the nuns, you need to know that those of us of faith have always struggled to remain faithful. There are times of wavering between being with God and being done with God for all of us, particularly in times of crisis and pain. We wonder about this God. We fear that He may have left us alone or that He simply is not interested in us or our pain. We struggle sometimes. To resist none, too. That's just simply the case. Now, here's a great case study. There's a great case study found in Scripture that we're going to look at in just a minute. It's found in the book of Exodus. God has always wanted to, and God always attempts to reveal Himself to His people. He does that through scripture. He does that through his word. He does that uh, as he acts in, re- in real time, in real life. He does that as he impresses upon our hearts and minds. God is constantly attempting to reveal himself to his people, to make himself known. And as God makes himself known to us, you and I become, potentially, we become people of faith. We become people who begin to trust God, that's his whole purpose. His goal isn't to stay so far away from us and just have us sort of act upon everything that he has laid out for us to do. His goal is actually to come and draw near so that we might know him and so therefore we might place our trust and our faith in him as we live this life here and now. God has always attempted to reveal himself. He doesn't hide himself. He draws close to make himself known. And one of the famous people of the Bible, one of the the really, really cool people of the Bible, and if you saw that movie, The Prince of Egypt, you know a little bit about him. His name is Moses. God called Moses out, um, God called Moses to call his people out of slavery in Egypt. And this was all about, again, God's, God's formulated plan to reveal himself to his people so that his people might find him to be trustworthy, so that they could place their faith in God. Because all of us, from the beginning of this journey with God, have struggled with faithfulness to God. There were those who were the nuns back in the day where you wouldn't have thought that there were any nuns whatsoever, they had a promised destiny. God's people had a promised destiny, and that was the land of Canaan. Moses was called upon to lead them out of Egypt and into that fulfillment of that promise, into the promised land, into the land that flowed with milk and honey. That's, that's what Moses' call was to be. So our case study, our focus for banner year today Comes right as Moses is leading the people out of slavery, out of 400, and 400 plus years of slavery. But there's a journey that they have to take. Like all of us, there's a journey that they have to take. It's a journey from deliverance to destiny. Slavery for 400 years, that's not what God had in mind for his people. He has something much bigger planned for them, but they're stuck there. Moses comes along, and he is the, he is the guy God is called to deliver them from that place, to set them on the right track towards the ultimate destiny that he has in mind for them. But what happens between destiny, between deliverance and destiny, is called faith the same journey you and I take. Between deliverance and our ultimate destiny, there's this thing called faith. And we struggle with that. And we struggle with this God who who sort of demands that we wait on our destiny and that we be patient and that we trust in His divine guidance all along the way. And we trust We trust him enough not to know what we need to know in order to get to where we want to go. Come on, really, God? We would rather, much rather, know where we're going and know that we're going to get there and know that we're not going to have any issues along the way. Or if we are going to have an issue, could you please tell us and could you please take care of the issues? (laughs) But it's a journey of faith. And along the way, they will waver between faithfulness or perhaps becoming a nun. Perhaps they struggle with just being done with this God. What are we going to do with this God? So we pick up the story as they have indeed been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They're making their way now on the path that God has lined out for them. They have their leaders, they have Moses, they have Joshua, they have Aaron, they have all these people that are leading them along the way in fulfillment of God's divine plan. But deliverance comes with its own set of problems. (laughs) It does. Because once you leave Egypt where you had everything, even though you were a slave, you had everything that you needed. And now you're sort of out here with God and your leaders all on your own. You come to realize, and God's people began to realize, we're in the desert, we have no water, we have no food, and we have enemies out here. This is a new reality for us. And this is going to challenge every little iota of faith they possibly could have. Not only do they not have water, they don't have food, and they have an enemy. Isn't it true that when we find ourselves vulnerable, that's when our faith is tested? When everything's sort of going okay, and maybe it's not ideal, but everything's been provided for us, and everything's going kind of the way it should then when all those things are taken away from us and, and we're challenged to trust God in a new or different reality, that's when we're faced with the choice of am I gonna stick with this God, am I gonna stay with Him, or am I gonna join the ranks of the nuns? Can I believe this God? Can I trust Him? Do I believe in anything that He is doing? That's the question they face. Deliverance brings its own set of challenges on the way to our destiny. And all that happens in here, everything that we're challenged with, becomes a test of whether or not we will place our complete trust in the God who says, I am trustworthy. The truth of the matter is, if you look at what's been going on with them, he has been with them every step of the way. They faced Egypt. They faced Pharaoh's men, God took care of that. They faced being without water, God took care of that. They faced the food crisis, God took care of that. Every step along the way, God reassures them of his faithfulness. But we come to this part, we come to one enemy that they face that is quite terrifying for them. It's a group known as the Amalekites. They are a rough bunch. It's the first time Israel would face a military foe. They really have no department of defense other than God. They're not real sure about this thing. This is a new reality for them. Without food, without water, God takes care of that. But now you have somebody who's coming after you to kill you and to destroy you. That's a new reality. The Amalekites are a rough bunch. They uh, are basically tribes of people who run around and terrify people. There's one source that I looked up that describes the Amalekites as people as people who like to lick blood. They were no joke, man. They were no joke. In fact, if you go back, there's a, there's a, there's a passage that talks about how, how uh, once Israel, Israel began to make their way out of Egypt, and the Amalekites were bearing down on them. And in, in this story, it says that they attacked even the most vulnerable of people who were lagging behind. You got this big group of people exiting, exiting Egypt, and they target the most vulnerable Perhaps the old, perhaps women, perhaps children. That's how cruel, that's how bad the Amalekites were. They didn't care. They didn't care. Exodus 15, 26. Notice this, though. Exodus 15:26. Not only had God promised them a divine destiny way back with Abraham, but God also promised Uh, Sort of reminded them of how faithful he is Reminded them of the covenant that he made When he says this in Exodus 15 uh, verse 26 He says He said If you listen carefully to the Lord your God And do what is right in his eyes If you pay attention to his commands And keep all his decrees I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians For I am the Lord who heals you now i love that passage for a couple of reasons number one is that it is incredibly relational it's not simply that this god is a god who says obey me and follow me don't question me is a god who says i am near i want to know you and i want you to know that you can trust me and so in the same way that a father would speak to a son or a daughter or a mother would speak to a son or a daughter, you sense that God comes along to his people and notice what he says. Listen. Listen carefully to me. Listen to me. Just listen. In the new year, will you stop long enough to listen to Your God. Well, you listen. He recognizes that you are vulnerable. He understands that you have issues. You were not in Egypt for 400 years, but you come to the table with your own set of junk, right, people? Let's be honest. You may not have been a slave for 400 years, but you perhaps may have been a slave for the last several years to something. And He understands. You may not have enemies like the Amalekites, but you've got something that hounds your soul. You may have a relationship that has become adversarial. You may have a situation in your life that just is just a bad situation, and it is bad. And, and God comes along so that he doesn't lose you. And God comes along to reassure you that you can trust him. And he says, Listen carefully to me. Will you listen? And then he says, pay attention to my commands. Will this be the year in which you actually not only pay attention to God's plans, but you actually, or God's commands, you actually begin to do them? <laughs> Imagine that. The suggestions that Scripture makes, right? That's sort of how we take them. These aren't these are commands. These aren't principles that I really really want you to live by these are just simply suggestions that maybe or maybe not you should follow but maybe we'll pay attention to his commands maybe things have gotten bad enough to where we actually will pay attention to his commands and then the last part of the passage 1526 he says i will I will will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I love that last part of that, the notion that God heals us. Again, there is brokenness, there is pain, there is disease, and it may not be physical disease, it may be soul disease, that stuff that sort of festers on the inside, right? Right? That stuff that keeps our spirit from experiencing God's spirit in our life, that keeps us from experiencing the strength and the peace and the beauty of life with God. I love the language there. I love how God speaks into the new reality that His people face. God's speaking into your reality too. God is talking to you. Before you jettison your faith or before you simply drift off into noneness, give God consideration one more time. Because he is, in fact, a God who, who invites you to listen to him. He is, in fact, a God who says, pay attention. He is, in fact, a God who says, my commandments and my My principles are powerful for your life. Pay very close attention to them. And he's also a God who brings healing to those who are broken. That's who this God is. But what's bearing down on the Israelites is a serious, serious problem. The Amalekites are right there. The Amalekites are the aggressors. They have brought the battle to the, Israel and the Israelites. Now here's the response. Here's the response. Joshua is called. Moses is told. Moses tells Joshua, go and fight the battle. Moses tells Joshua, I'm going to go up on this hill. I'm going to take Aaron and I'm going to take her with me. We're going to go up on the hill. I'm going to raise my staff. God's instructions to Moses, raise your staff. And what happens is as they raise their staff, as Moses raises his staff, the Israelites are winning. Arms go up, staff is in the air. We're winning. Staff goes down. Joshua and his men are losing. What's going to be your military strategy, people? Keep the arms up. (laughs) The arms stay up. We win. The arms stay up until sundown. God's people are victorious. Along the way, though, Moses' arms, as he's holding them up, get tired. You see this really cool vision of of Aaron and of her coming alongside of Moses and holding his arms up until the victory is complete. God's people get the win. God's people are shown the faithfulness of God to them. This is how Moses records it in Exodus 17, verses 14 through 16. This is post-victory. This is the celebration party. This is the victory event. And he says this, Exodus 17, verses 14 through 16. This is really, really good. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll. This is a big day. This is a big win. If you ever doubted God's faithfulness, write this day down. This is your first battle, the first battle I led you in, the first battle in which you trusted me in your new reality, and I want you to write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Make sure that Joshua hears it. He was down on the battlefield. Make sure Joshua hears it. He's going to be the one that passes on the oral tradition because I will completely blot out the name of um, Amalek from under heaven. Your enemy will be gone. I'm going to take care of that enemy. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. You see, their journey of faith had them be confronted with all sorts of things, with famine, with thirst, and with enemies from without, as well as with enemies from within. Their journey of faith is really our journey of faith. We are are going from deliverance to ultimately a destiny. But everything in the middle, everything between deliverance and destiny is called faith. And wherever we meet our battles, wherever we meet our enemies, wherever we find ourselves vulnerable, it becomes a test of faith. Faith? Who will I place my trust in? Who will I believe in? Who will I hang on to? Or will I simply drift off into the ranks of the nuns? Who will you believe? Who will you trust? What's significant in this story, and as it it relates to the focus of our series, is this is this very, very poignant moment where Moses, is a defining moment for Moses, where he says, I understand my calling, and I've had to deal with these people, these Israelites, God's people, all along the way. I've had to deal with their, their quarreling, I've had to deal with their grumbling, I've had to deal with their bitterness, I've had to deal with their unfaithfulness, but it's a defining moment for Moses, which he says, I want to be a defining moment for us as a people. As we travel from deliverance to destiny, what banner will we wave? Who will we serve? Who will serve? Who will be our rallying cry? Under what flag will we journey? In this appointed moment, it's a defining moment because Moses builds an altar. And he says, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is the one who I will look to when things aren't the way they should be. When things along this journey of faith get a little testy and a little shaky, I'm going to align myself with this God of the Bible. When things aren't quite right for me, I will come under the banner of the one Who stood with me. Who put all my enemies aside. Who helped me deal with my own enemies that linger within my own soul. It's not just the enemies on the outside that come at us. It's not just the circumstances that present themselves as we go on this faith journey that are at issue. It's also the the enemies on the inside. The bitterness the quarreling, the grumbling. Do you ever struggle with that? Sometime this year, as you go throughout 2017, you will look around and begin to sort of grumble and mumble, and that will grow into bitterness. And you may actually, like the Israelites, you may grow to a point where you're accusing God, where you're not trusting God, where you're not believing God, where God has become the enemy. And that's another enemy that we have to deal with. But Moses says, whatever we encounter, wherever we go, what we understand and what we know is that we have a God who stands with us. And it was a defining moment. And Moses leads the people. He invites them to serve this same God. And so he raises... This banner, he lifts up his staff, if you will. He calls them to serve this one God. Not to become those who distance themselves from this God, but in fact, ones who are affiliated with their God. Ones who place their trust and their faith in their God. And this is what stands out to me. Again, I said this earlier, but this is what stands out to me. What is true all along the way, what cannot be denied, is that every test that they placed before their God, their God met. Every step of the way, their God came through for them. Whatever they faced, their God was faithful to them. I believe that to be true for our journey today. God will be faithful to you and me in 2017. Will you make it the year where you lift high the banner of your God? Will you invite others to say, hey, I don't understand all the circumstances. I don't get it. I got enemies over here. I got enemies within. But what I do understand is that as I lift high the banner of my God, He will not let me down. He will not abandon me. I can place my faith and my trust in him. Will you rally around the banner of your God? So I have a couple of daughters that um, play soccer. They play high school soccer. And I am not the biggest soccer fan because I don't really understand it. But I am a huge fan of my girls. And I love to see them play. So on game days, in order to help them win the game, I wear my FLA, Panther Lady Panthers soccer shirt. Amen? And I am confident that it is that FLA, Lady Panthers shirt that, that gives them the win. Yeah. Or at least boosts their chances of winning. But what I want people to understand very clearly is whose side I'm on. If it's an away game and I go to the away stands and I sit in the bleachers of the away, the opposing team, I don't want them to have any misunderstanding whatsoever what team I'm cheering for. I don't want them to have any misunderstanding whatsoever that that if, in fact, the referee makes a call, then it might be on on the line a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe that that referee was wrong, <laughs> especially if it's against my team. And if your child happens to fall down because my kid knocks you down, your kid down, that's all right, because <laughs> I want my team to win, and I'm gonna cheer for my team because I'm affiliated with them because of my relationship with my kids. And I'm going to cheer them on, I'm going to raise my hands, and I'm going to, I'm going to shout, and I'm going to, I'm going to lift up my team. The God of the universe has always been on your side, people. Don't get it twisted. He cheers you on. He loves you deeply. He understands that you're caught up in all kinds of junk, and he understands the conflicts and the circumstances and the chaos and this junk that you go through, but he's right there with you. I and mean, he calls all the shots for you, and he won't let you down. And he wants you to get the win. He wears your T-shirt. The question becomes, will you lift high his banner and trust and believe in him? Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the reassurance of your love and your grace and your mercy towards us. Thank you, Father God, that you stand with us. We have no reason to doubt you, so may we trust in you. May we lift high our support of you. May we rally to who you are. May you may we experience your blessings in this new year like never before in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.